Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere, hang on, hang on, hang on! Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, House of Secrets number 77, cover date March-April 1966, cover price 12 cents, cover artist Bernard Bailey, edited by Jack Schiff, featuring Eclipso in The Moon Creatures, written by Bob Haney, art by Jack Sparling. And Prince Raman in Seven Circles of Evil. Writer Jack Miller, art by Bernard Bailey. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go! Bruce Gordon is abducted just prior to an eclipse by two moon creatures. When the eclipse occurs, Eclipso is released. He then disguises himself as Bruce Gordon and leads Professor Bennett and his daughter Mona into a trap. However, Mona guessed Eclipso's disguise and prepared an escape. Bruce leads the moon creatures to their accidental destruction, then exposes Eclipso to a burst of light, which once again merges the evildoer with Bruce's body. Meanwhile, when a genius from another dimension creates a machine to banish all evil from his dimension, evil comes to Earth in the form of the three Vulcanti. The three creatures create a circle of evil. If they complete seven circles, the entire planet will be engulfed in evil. Forewarned by Imhotep, Prince Raman confronts the otherworldly demons. When his powers prove insufficient to banish the creatures, he visits the land of the six-sided sun where he is reunited with Cranach and Rima. Cranach devises a way to augment Raman's powers with those of Tashtut. Raman returns to Earth and uses his enhanced powers to banish the demons back to whence they came. Don't go away. Dr. Husband's back in town, and we'll be here to explain everything. Hero and villain all in one body Coming with every solar eclipse One side is bad, the other side jolly Everyone knows Eclipso I wrote a song about Eclipso Wow, that's great, Bob Um, We've had a listener request Have we? To do more songs Oh, okay So I've been trying to write some songs Okay so I just wrote that one about Eclipse. You're so clever. You know it's, how to make things up. I mean, up. it's inspired by something that's something rolling around in the back of my head. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> it's probably like I heard it on a National Geographic special or Gilligan's Island or something. Saturday morning TV, perhaps? Probably, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey. Hey. It's our old friend Eclipso back again. Yes. In his own solo feature. I see that. We're looking today at House of Secrets number 77. House of Secrets was another one of DC's anthology, science fiction-y, mystery kind of book. Yes. Well, We've already sort of... seen House of Mystery mm-hmm. and Mystery in Space mm-hmm. and Strange Adventures. Where you can put in several characters for their own serials. Exactly. Yeah. Now, they didn't always feature characters, recurring characters. That was a more recent invention. Okay. Although House of Secrets did have a long-running feature, Mark Merlin, 
magician detective. Oh. We'll talk about him in a minute. Okay. First, we have Eclipso. Hero and villain in one body. We remember him from The Brave and the Bold. We do. Where he teamed up with Batman. Yes. And Batman tricked him and he fell down a ladder and... I don't know what happened. I don't remember, I, don't remember. I just remember something about a ladder, and I was pretty angry because Eclipso has to have this little, this gem that he looks through. That's how he uh, fires his dark beams. Well, it sounds like you're going to be angry again because he does that in I, this issue. It depends. It's Saturday morning. You know, I don't know how angry I'm really going to get. I had a great breakfast. Um, <laughs> also, listener response is very positive to you doing your work on Saturday mornings rather than at cocktail hour. Oh, really? They find you much more engaging in the morning hours after you've had some coffee. <laughs> well, that's... Well, that's the word that's on the great. street. That's great. Eclipso versus the moon creatures is the name of our story. He is, indeed. Um, first of all, I love the font on the word moon creatures. Uh, are you on the cover? I'm in the splash page. Okay. Oh, we didn't talk about the cover, did we? No. Because Eclipso's not on the cover except right. for his headshot. House of Secrets featuring Eclipso here in Villain One Man and Prince Ramand, Mind Master. So is he like Prince Raman or Prince Raman? I, I don't know. I didn't know Jack squat about him until about 13 minutes ago when I read his Wikipedia entry. Okay. I mean, I knew who he was and I knew the basics, but he was always a confusing character to me. I like the white streak in his hair. He um, looks a lot like... Doctor Strange. He does, indeed. Except Doctor Strange is, has white temples instead oh. of a white streak in his hair. Yes. But, uh, you know, I think Doctor Strange could pull off a leisure suit, like Prince Rawman. Do you think the white streak is supposed to signify maturity and eccentricity? Yes. And um, apparently he's Egyptian. Yeah, I don't really understand. You'll have to tell me more about that when we get to it. We'll get to that. Yeah. Let's turn to the splash page first, though, because the lead story in this issue is Eclipso. Eclipso. Hero and villain in one man. Um, this story, written by Bob Haney, our old pal Bob Haney, who just throws crap at the wall and sees what sticks. Yeah, he's done it again. With art by Jack Sparling, which I love. Okay. Jack Sparling, you may recall, drew the story about uh, the astronauts that were trapped in the... They had to go save the miners, and the miners had turned into terrible creatures. Yes, I do remember that. Yes, but I hear a big butt coming. I Yeah, <laughs> you do hear a big butt coming. And the big butt is, I think, that um, this uh, Eclipso's... Uh, oh, Bruce, is that his name? Yeah, Bruce. Mm -hmm. Bruce is drawn to look a little bit older than he should. You think so? Yeah. He is a scientist. He's rather heavily lined around the eyes. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah, pretty deep features. Well, he's tired because half of his body has been sucked out and turned evil. Well, if that was the intent of the artist, then he's done a great job. I'm more interested in the motion of the figures, the fluidity and Which is very good. Shots. Very good. Um, on the splash page... Yeah. Eclipso is operating uh, a telescope, mm -hmm. which is flanked by two putty-like creatures. Moon creatures. Moon creatures. They look like the putty men from Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Bruce Gordon is racing up the stairs aside the telescope. Great action shot there. And Mona and her father, Mr. Bennett, are paralyzed by beams from the moon creature's eyes. They don't really have faces. Well, yes, but but that's their power. They, They have the ability to hypnotize from a great distance. Right. Which... Is great if, if all you want to do is stun people. Because apparently all that Eclipso can do and his moon creatures can do is make people either tired or make them stand still. Which I think would be awesome to have. Like when you're stressed and you wake up at 3 a.m. like I did the other night uh-huh. and I lost two hours of sleep. Uh-huh. I would love to have had someone like Eclipso just like... You know, like next door, like knock on his door and say, hey, can you just hit me with your dark beam so I can go back to sleep for a while? You know, but they're not asleep. They're just paralyzed. So, you well, I mean, that's I mean, just the extent of of Eclipso's power is to make people fall asleep or to fall down, to lose their to become weak. And then his creatures makes people stand still. That, I mean, that's all they do. OK, I think he has more powers than that. Does he? Can't he fire force beams and uh, beams that are the opposite of heat? We'll see in a minute. Okay. He has cold beams. Well, they're not called cold beams. They're called the opposite of heat. Yes. <laughs> Let's turn the page. Bruce Gordon is in his uh, laboratory. Yes. The vast lab complex. So I guess when young scientists like Robbie Reed grow up, they graduate from lab shacks to, to vast, vast lab, lab complexes. complexes. Now, I was a little perplexed as to what exactly he was doing. Was, is this a mobile of the universe? I, because I, it looks it like it's free-floating. Yeah, it looks like he's got free-floating marbles representing the universe Yeah, um, that are just floating around his darkened vast lab complex. And there he is in his vast lab complex with... What's her name? Mona. Mona and her father. Uh-huh. But and, let's... I love just the first like, panel. It is night and a virile voice is heard. Yes. Bruce Gordon's voice. He must be virile. Yes. So a virile voice would not actually sound like what, what sounded like in my head when I, when I read these words. The very heavens conspire against me. A, no. a virile voice would be like... The very heavens conspire against me. This, a lot of dialogue is very Shakespearean in this mm-hmm. story. Um, well, he's a scientist, so he's a big thinker. He's got grand thoughts and words yes, he's floating around in his face. And he's really thinking for two, isn't he? He is. And apparently he was talking to himself because uh, Mona just appears in the doorway and says, What did you say? Oh, just voicing my bitterness, Mona. <laughs> just voicing my bitterness. <laughs> Mona, honey, uh, the heavens, that is the heavenly bodies, <laughs> do conspire against me. Um, so as we recall, listener, or maybe not, maybe this is the first time you're listening. If it Eclipso, is, so, welcome. Yes, we are happy to have you. Don't forget to rate and review on iTunes. <laughs> um, Eclipso is uh, an inhabitant of the body of Dr. Bruce Gordon, who is a solar scientist. And something happened. He was in the South American jungle. He got cursed anyway. Every time there's a solar eclipse... Eclipse was released from Bruce's yes, body. Eclipso is released from Bruce Gordon's body and to do evil. And so every time there's an eclipse, 
Bruce Gordon has to join up with the uh, with uh, Mona and her father. What's her father's name? Uh, I, Professor Bennett. I really should write this down on a card so I don't have to yeah. keep asking that. So P- Professor Bennett, they they have to team up to trick Eclipso in some way to weaken him and get him back into Bruce Gordon's body. I just thought of something. Yeah. Eclipso's Eclipso carries around a little diamond. Mhm. Through which he fires power beams. Yes. And opposite of heat beams. Yes. Where's the diamond when it's just Bruce Gordon? I was thinking the same thing uh, in the end of the story when he disappears back into Bruce Gordon. So why can't... But if we're going to just accept that the the Eclipso is is transformed back into Bruce Gordon, where where do his clothes go, his his pointy ears, all of that? I mean, I I believe he just sort of shifts into another dimension and, 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 and... is stuck inside the body. Okay. That's how I made peace with that. That being said, Mm -hmm. we will get to the end of the story and see how Eclipso is defeated, which apparently is the way he's defeated in every story. I don't know. This is the first solo Eclipso story we've looked at. Mm. They know when the eclipse is going to happen. We can tell when eclipses are going to happen for the next 1,000 years. Right. Why don't they just... Mona and Dr. Bennett be standing there at the moment of the eclipse and defeat Eclipso the second that it comes out of the body. Well, they were planning to do that in this episode. Were they? Because everyone went to bed. Good because night. the eclipse wasn't going to happen until the next morning. Well, come on. If you're, just be ready. Anything can happen. Well, I was not quite sure how Bruce Gordon was to get a good night's sleep. Well, he wasn't because he didn't take his shoes off. He's fully dressed and his shoes laying on his bed. Because he was angst-ridden. I mean, how many times have you had some sort of big event happening the next day, and then some foolish friend of yours says, well, I know that you might die tomorrow, but, you know, uh, uh, hope you get a good night's sleep, because we need to fight this thing tomorrow. I mean, do you have a good night's sleep? No, but you know what? what? If I'm going to die in the morning, my shoes aren't going to be on. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I never go to sleep with my shoes on. Um, just voicing my bitterness, honey. Yeah. Yes, Bruce, tomorrow a solar eclipse will split Eclipso off from you again. We'd better be prepared and get a good night's sleep. Oh, okay, so that's why they're all going to bed. Yeah. See you two lovebirds in the morning. Night, Dad. Well, they're awfully chipper. <laughs> they certainly are. Uh, personification of evil's about to pop out of his body. He's very. They all know he's very powerful. I mean, there, there's, no, there's no pretending that this is just a casual fight. It's right. Usually, there's a possibility of someone dying every time this happens. Okay. I mean, how many times a year did this happen to them? Well, I think we tried to discuss that earlier, and I haven't done any more thorough research okay. in the meantime. So it either then, happens... Um, I mean, it happens often enough that this story is published monthly. So okay. I guess there's a solar eclipse once a month. Yeah, that checks was, out, right? Sure, whatever. Um, so then they decide to uh, kiss. Mm-hmm. He grabs her he's face. He's really roughly <laughs> grabbing her face. Maybe he's already eclipsed. Uh, this is bit. where I thought he was drawn very um, mature. Like, he, he looks a little bit older than I thought he should he's be. He's got thick eyebrows. He looks like a member of my family with those out-of-control <laughs> Caterpillar eyebrows. Everyone in your family must make regular eyebrow, eyebrow grooming a part of their regimen. Yes, and unfortunately, not everyone does that. <laughs> I, when I was in middle school, I tried to um, shave my eyebrows. Uh, just the time in middle school? Shut up. I hate you so much right now. <laughs> 
this one Do you particular you... time in middle school when I shaved them almost to mm-hmm. the point of being a Vulcan. <laughs> Do you remember when we were in college and you, I don't know what it was. Oh, but mean it was just a couple of years ago? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and you were trimming up your eyebrows and you got a little carried away. And it was the same time, or was that your hair? You were trimming your hair. And Robbie, it was my hair. And Robbie did the same thing. And another uh-huh, part my of, three-year-old nephew. <laughs> you both. And we have a picture of both of you with yeah, super short haircuts. Yeah, that's a great memory. Next page. <laughs> All right, going on. Bruce so, Gordon. Yes. So he's there in bed in his shoes. Fully clothed. And these things. Um, Later so, that night, as Dr. Bruce Gordon tosses and turns and tosses. Mm-hmm. Um, these putty creatures appear. Right. Bruce Gordon screams. Well, apparently Mona and Professor Bennett don't hear him scream because they don't come down until the next morning and to find him gone. He screams a scream that everyone screams yeah. in this particular comic. Aye! No, no! Yeah, that aye is, is, is heard a lot. What what sounds do you think that these these moon creatures make when they come through? Um, probably something like <laughs> yeah, because they look kind of a drippy, you know. Like yeah. So if they were to talk, like, like protein mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, here comes Mona and Mr. Bennett. This is where I love the artwork because look at that fourth panel where Mona's running. In oh, the suits. take that, Bryce awesome. Dallas Howard. She is tearing off across the field in her high-heeled shoes. She does. Now, look at the bottom panel where they're in the car. Mm-hmm. She looks like she's put on 20 pounds between those two last two panels. Maybe it's like um, Judy Garland in Till the Clouds Roll By, where in one scene she weighs about 98 pounds, and uh-huh. the very next scene she weighs about 165. Yeah. But it's supposed to be happening concurrently. Right. So she's got the same dress and same makeup and hairstyle and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well... That's. I mean, does, doesn't she look much heavier? She does in that bottom panel. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just maybe she stopped for a sandwich in between running Could out be. to the car. Could be. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's... it was a high sodium sandwich, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Like Italian. We know all about that. We know all about that. Anyway, Mona and Professor Bennett find dusty footprints on the floor, and decide to follow them in their sleek roadster. What kind of car do you think that is? Oh, uh, it's Romeo? a convertible. Mm-hmm. It's. Pretty, Pretty, isn't it? Wouldn't you like to have it? You don't like to ride with the windows open. I don't like open. convertibles, no. You don't, I really do. Yeah. Well, I don't like the wind in my face or my hair to be mussed. I, that's exactly why I like this. I, I yeah, know. I know. Yeah. I don't know what kind of car this is. But um, apparently it has a wooden steering wheel or a leather-wrapped steering wheel. Right. Um, Mona and Professor Bennett get in the car and turn on the radio to hear, we interrupt this program for an important bulletin. The arch-criminal Eclipso was sighted in the city this morning. All citizens are warned. Well, Eclipso's loose already. The eclipse hasn't even happened yet. Mm-hmm. Great guns. And now back to your song. Turn the page... The caption is asking if we, the reader, has guessed the fantastic answer for how Eclipso is free. How well, actually, we... how would I guess that? And we get, and we get. It's interesting because that, of course, you guessed it, or that that sort of context of I think you might have guessed the answer, will happen again in another page 
as a comment from one person to another. And I read it and I went, no, there was absolutely no hint given whatsoever. Right. I, of course I didn't guess that. Right, right, right. Yeah, so I, I found that to be troubling. Now, I will admit, there could have been a previous issue where this information was given to us, but we don't have that issue. And in fact, there's no notation that says... See issue number, blah, issue. blah, blah. Right. And in fact, when this comic was published, it would have been just, you know haphazardly thrown on the newsstand and down at the drugstore, so you wouldn't necessarily be following a comic issue after issue. No, it's not like when you go into a comic book shop now and yeah. you ask the owner something and they give you the lineage of right, the right, particular right. story. And they say things like, if you would like to <laughs> know more about this, check this issue. And that story appears over in this comic under this title over here. Well, so you've been in a lot of comic stores, have you? That's exactly uh, how it is. Uh, you really want to press me on that question? No. See, here's what happens. <laughs> Dr. Husband goes to the comic store what, twice a year, maybe, back in the day. Back in the day. Go ahead. Every time he went was atypical. Like, every single time there would be a group of people discussing... Do you think Hulk could beat Wonder Woman? Or there would be a Magic the Gathering tournament and all the players would look up and hiss at you as you walked into the store. Or there would be 15 comic enthusiasts in there and the moment you walked in, they'd all go, like, from Cheers, Bob! That never happened. It did in my memory. Anyway, those things didn't happen as a regular part of comic store. That's all I know. But that's all he knows because that's what happened every time he walked in. So he's got an outsized opinion of what happens at comic stores. In my opinion. What do you think happens when I go to the hardware store? Oh, uh, there's a lot of men in t-shirts and overalls walking around. <laughs> yes. And they're all walking around looking at tools and touching things and being very excited on the inside but not showing emotion on the outside. You know, that's pretty much what happens at a hardware store. And there's one woman with a tiny purse dog and big dyed blonde hair walking <laughs> around who knows everybody. <laughs> and she's just had her nails done. And she's walking around in heels uh -huh. around the hardware click, store. Click, talking clicking to on men. the hard floor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I've That's never seen that. Happens. I've never seen that. I like that. I would okay. love to see that. Okay, so we're back at the Lunar Park. Lunar Park. Lunar Park. Lunar I want to go there. It's a big... There's a big roller coaster going around the surface of a yeah, moon. Yeah, I liked, I liked the idea of that. I just thought that it was kind of a waste of resources to have the roller coaster only going around the moon. Well, we don't know because we can't see the backside. Maybe it's... Maybe it goes into the moon. Could. It could. Mm. Like Space Mountain. Mm. Um, here the moon creatures are talking. You gave us life, Bruce. <laughs> it's good, Bob. We of the mirror are yours to command. <laughs> that made you cough. Um, Lunar Park is, of course, Eclipso's headquarters. headquarters. Yes. I can't tell if it's... Well, it says closed on the gate, but I don't know if it's just closed for the night or permanently closed. Oh, closed for the season. It says right there. Yeah. I wonder what season it is. Um, I was trying to figure that out by the clothes that they were wearing, so apparently it's closed for the summer. 
<laughs> good. It's a good business model for an yeah. amusement park. Um, here we go. Gordon never suspected that during one of my previous appearances, I performed a certain experiment, that's in quotation marks for no reason whatsoever, in my island lab. Yeah, so that's just, you know, I, I was reading this little backstory about how he created the creatures, and I thought, oh, okay, so well, I've missed an issue. Right. Uh, so Eclipso apparently has taken a piece of the moon and combined it with chemicals and deduced that such creatures could be brought forth even though on the moon itself they only existed inertly. So he's deduced because we haven't gone to the moon yet. So there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, uh, scientific kind uh-huh. of language that's thrown into this to yeah. make it sound legit. So right. he says... Um, Little did I realize that I had discovered a fragment broken off from the moon and extracted from it a tiny quantity of moon dust, reacting together with certain rare earths, excuse me, reacting together with certain rare earths and chemicals. Rare earths and chemicals. Like mm. rare soil, so in chemicals, soil, right, right? Minerals, I don't know. In these cocoons, it will bring forth the first moon creatures ever seen on this world. By mathematical analysis, I had deduced that such creatures could be brought forth, even though on the moon itself they only existed inertly. So he's deduced, without going to the moon, that there are living creatures on the moon that are inert while on the moon. But he can bring them to life on Earth. Through mathematical analysis and chemicals and Earths. And a black light treatment because such creatures need the opposite of heat for germination. That's where the opposite of the heat The opposite of heat, right. In. Yeah. Um, it's, it's much clearer to say that than cold black light. Right. Um, then he placed them in the deepest part of his island laboratory, which apparently was then destroyed... At some point. Yeah, I thought it was a volcano, but that's just because I just saw the latest Jurassic Park movie. Right. You know? Um, because it says right there that his lab was destroyed. Yeah. But I saw it at first. I was, you know, I was, I was trying to skim over the text because it bored me. I'm sorry. There are a lot of words, aren't there? Well, in this, this little sequence right here, I just thought, oh, hey, here he is justifying how I meet these creatures, blah, 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 blah. So then we're back to the panel where Bruce Gordon is screaming, I, I love this little panel. I love the artwork here. Yeah. The, the creatures um, creating an eclipse with their, what is it? Is that a, is that a, um, a ping pong paddle? I'm, I just thought that they formed their body into the shape of the ping pong paddle to create an eclipse. Yeah. So the creatures create an artificial eclipse. Now, this is where it caused me a lot of confusion, but I think I figured it out. Because at this point, Eclipso is not splitting off from Bruce Gordon. He's actually transforming from Bruce Gordon into Eclipso. Mm -hmm. I guess that's because it's an artificial eclipse. Because they're waiting for the real eclipse to come, which will split him off into a separate creature. But at this point, he is just Eclipso having been transformed from Bruce Gordon, and now transforming back into Bruce Gordon. Yes. So he commands his creatures to tie him up prisoner. So Bruce Gordon's a prisoner, and they're taking him upstairs to wait for the real eclipse. I think I found an inking error. Yes. The bottom right-hand panel. Uh-huh. Notice that in the, in the middle panel of the page, on the right-hand side, they're binding him with what appears to be ropes, yep. yellow ropes. Yep. Then at the bottom panel, he appears to be bound with... 
extensions of the creature's uh-huh. bodies, right. like tentacles or something. Yeah. That's not... and But yet he's tied later on with rope. So there's an inconsistency there. Okay. Good catch. Thanks. I can't explain that away. No, I... Yeah. I have no idea, but... So now... I notice these things. We get to the real Eclipse, and in fact... Eclipto has split off into a separate entity. The third exclamation of the scream, "Ie!" Have you ever screamed "Ie"? No, yeah. I've never screamed. Oh, certainly you have. No, never, never. How about when you're playing Mira in the pool as a child? Mira, the queen of the oceans. Yes. No, she doesn't scream. Oh, she um, turns water hard. So you've never screamed. I might have done like a Tarzan yell. Or I've done like plenty that. of big girl screams in my life. Not me. I'm never startled. <laughs> um, Mona and her father are driving around the city. Look at this. Now they have a giant radar thing on the back of their car. Where? The bottom left panel. Yeah, what's that about? I never noticed that. I didn't either. It wasn't there before, and it's not there in the very next panel. Just one panel of giant radar. What do you call it? Antenna? Yeah, it's it's like a little radar antenna, and it's not there in the next panel. Oh, oh we're more gosh. than was, was was more than one person drawing this? No, it's Jack Sparling. What was he thinking? Well, I don't know. Uh, here's they finally find Bruce wandering around the city. Oh no, he's back at the lab complex now. They return to the lab complex and they see Bruce weakened, dazed. Wandering mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. Thank the stars, he must have escaped. But he looks in bad shape. Um, he tells them that Eclipso has outsmarted them. He's got a scheme ready to go. Mona grabs his face, gives him a big kiss. I knew something was wrong in the next panel when she was touching her lips yeah. and looking at him and not saying anything. I knew... What was going to happen the next? The first time you read it, you knew? It, I knew I knew it was not Bruce Gordon. Because I had to go back and look. Yeah. All right. So Bruce is going to lead them back to Lunar Park. Whereupon they are captured because Bruce... By the moon creatures. Has been Eclipso in disguise. Yes. He led them down through a trap door into a trap. Yes. Yeah. Eclipso rips off his Bruce Gordon mask because he was wearing a mask of Bruce Gordon. And hiding those ears, hiding those pointy ears. Yeah. And his misshapen face. And his doll cap. Yeah. What kind of cap would you call that? I know, it's like a jester cap without the... Without, without the bell. Yeah. Because if it had a bell, they'd hear him coming. <laughs> you think so? So, only three people could possibly defeat Eclipso and they're all his prisoner now. And now he's got another scheme to raise an army of moon creatures mm-hmm. to take over the Earth. Do you think that he that Eclipso's drawn with rather feminine hips? He's got a wasp he's of a waist. Got, like, yeah, it's a very much a swimmer's body. It's Anderson Cooper, I'm convinced. It's it. <laughs> same t-shirts, same lithe, tall figure. I think he's just a little, just a, a touch hippie. For well, for that for I the mean, rest of his form, he's got a great form. He is wearing skin tight leotard, so yeah. that's going to show every curve. Hmm. Take it from me. 
look at this. They're all tied up with ropes. Mona's got a knife. She mm. is so clever. And how did she know? Because that kiss. Did she hide it in her bra? Where'd she hide the knife? I don't know. She had to Maybe. be able to get the knife with her hands being bound behind her back. Right. Maybe she's wearing like a garter belt. She had it tucked under a garter belt. Mm. That's what I would do. Yeah, sure. Um, a kiss told me, when I kissed Eclipso disguised as you, his lips seemed cold, inhuman. I purposely let him lead us to his hideout. Good girl. Because wearing a mask and kissing someone and touching their face, mm-hmm. the, I mean, it's, it, there's no way to tell that that's not a human being. No, she in a mask. have to use her feminine intuition, right. which she discloses in the next panel. Any girl would have noticed the same thing. Let me ask something of our heterosexual male listeners, of which at least I know that there are two. We have, we actually have listeners here. Yes. Um, who are both are you heterosexual guys and male. <laughs> just terrified of women? Because all these comics, anytime a woman does anything, it's either downplayed as a lucky break, or here she's, you know, disclosing that. Any girl would do the same thing because of female intuition. Are the writers just terrified that women have a secret superpower that men don't have? You're staring at me. I don't know how to answer that. I'm. Well, no, you're not a heterosexual male. I'm not asking you. Well, maybe we'll get some some letters in the mailbag. <laughs> if only. Yeah, that's pretty interesting because you know the the women always have this other sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, this is before uh, smartphones and Facebook and trolling through your husband's email sure. to see if they're cheating on you or mm-hmm. you know or looking on uh, whatever it is that they do. Uh Grinder, Tinder. I, well, no, you know how the women are always, oh, he's cheating on you. And they, you know, they open up their email and they see that he's got multiple affairs, you know, all yep. those things. This is all before that. Women had their intuition. Well, a mother knows. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, at a lonely observatory. Yes. Where advanced astronomy experiments are carried on. Advanced astronomy experiments. It wasn't enough just to say, mean, meantime, at a lonely observatory. Right. He, they had to say advanced astronomy experiments. What, what are they going to be doing with a telescope that is advanced astronomy experiments? I don't know. And then the guys, the, the two guards, because you would need to have guards outside mm-hmm. of the observatory. They say, quiet night, Bill. Guess the big domes inside are getting... The big domes. I guess that means the, 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 the scientists yeah, are getting in a real good look at the old moon. Yeah, Ed. She sure looks sweet and peaceful up there. Hmm. What? Well, it's just odd talk outside of an observatory. Well, you got to make for your on guard duty. You got to make small talk about something. Yeah. As you say, they didn't have smartphones. No, they couldn't look up. What do you think it would? What do you think it would have been like to have been a guard outside an observatory? Boring. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty quiet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless a supervillain shows up, like he does just now. Right. Eclipso and his beam of light with his main creatures. Hole in the fence. No. Again, using their powers to, he makes a hole in the fence, yeah. and then the moon creatures just stun the guards. It's a chain link fence. I feel like they could have done that through the fence before he made uh, the They could have hopped over the fence, for God's sake. Well, I'm just saying, what if he, while he's burning a hole in the fence, the guards had got a round or two off? They could have, I suppose. I would have stunned the guards first, if I were a supervillain. Well, we didn't write this. No, nor am I a supervillain. 
But thanks for coming up with that right away. It didn't even occur to me to refute that. So uh, then the scientists inside the observatory, yep. uh, the domes, yep. as they're called in slang. The big domes. The big domes are stunned as well. Yep. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Look at their shocked faces, my pets. Not even their great intelligence dreamed of such creatures as you. Ha, ha, ha. So now Eclipso has formed a bond with the moon creatures? Yeah, they're like yeah. pets. Yeah, they're like pets. Um, so Eclipso is going to use the giant telescope's immense light-gathering powers to concentrate moon rays and with one of his moonlings lying on the lens of the giant telescope as a prototype, he will mass-produce an entire army of creatures, an army that will be invincible against human foes. But here comes Bruce Gordon, Mona, Professor Bennett. Now, I've seen telescopes. Uh-huh. I've actually looked through them. I've uh-huh. never seen a telescope that had a lens un- under it that on, upon which you could lie. Right, because I feel like that, it's kind of delicate. Yeah. And if you lie on it, it might crack or... Scratch with dust mm-hmm. or dirt or something. I don't... Yeah. Yeah. That's going to obscure the light which is going to be gathered from the moon. One would think. And why does it have to be light from the moon? It's just light. Any light will do if that's going to mass produce I thought the same thing, but then I thought, Rob, come on. It's Eclipso. There are certain properties about this character that you don't understand. You're just going to have to let it go. Um, The moon creatures hypnotize Professor Bennett and Mona. They're very good at that. Well, it's their one skill. They're like a 20 out of 20 on on, on the 20-sided dice. Mm -hmm. Always roll the 20 on that. Bruce Gordon... Like a hunted thing. <laughs> the young <laughs> like scientist flees through the observatory quarters. So he's called young here. Yeah. So maybe that is just bad art. Heavy it's inking. Just rather heavy inking, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Well, I was going to say. Great action drawing, though. Really, right. I completely agree with you on that. Every, there's such wonderful motion in pretty much every panel here. He's dodging beams from the moon creature. He's eventually now dodging beams from Eclipso's tiny diamond. I still don't understand how that works. Is the energy coming out of Eclipso? Or is it coming all from the diamond? In which case, why does he have to hold the diamond up to his eyeball? It is used as a, a device to focus his energy. Okay. Um, Eclipso's firing black light beams at Bruce Gordon who is also being pursued by the moon creatures. Clever move. He ducks out of the way the last He ducks minute. out of the way, and the moon creatures are made powerless. Uh, actually, I think they're destroyed. Yeah, they're into a pile of dust. Hey, everyone. Have you seen that Facebook video where people put the sheet up in front of the door and play hide-and-seek with their dogs, and then they, at the last minute, they duck out of the way and let the sheet drop? Yes. Oh, it's a riot. It you is should a riot. try it. Okay. Look it up, everyone. Um, the moon creatures are caught in the black light and fade away into a pile of dust. Into a pile of dust. Dr. Bruce Gordon throws a light grenade at Eclipso. Aye! Again. Light. His nemesis makes him, uh, pass out and fall back into the body of Bruce Gordon. So that's where I was getting at the beginning of the story. Why don't they just tie Bruce Gordon up, wait for the eclipse with light grenades in their hands, and the second he pops out of his body, just throw a light grenade. 
put them right back in. Well, would you buy an issue of a comic with one page where all that happens? I might. Just like a, just a pamphlet of a comic? I, it makes for a much less interesting story. Well, then you'd have, what, 18 more pages where they could talk about their emotions and their feelings. <laughs> Mona could talk about her female intuition. <laughs> Professor Bennett could explain why he's always running around in a three-piece suit. We'd have lots of panels of them doing things like eating and typing on typewriters and doing experiments with no dialogue. There's no crisis. Well, you know, that can be interesting. If you're a gifted enough writer, (laughs) we could explore the town. We could explore why do they have an amusement park in the middle of the town that's closed during the summer. We could certainly see how many dresses Mona owns. That's a huge dress that she's got on. And if Dr. Bruce Gordon has anything other than khaki pants and a white dress shirt. Right. That's a good look for him, though. I mean, if you find something that works. Eclipso's gone. Gone until the next time the heavens call him forth to fulfill his dark destiny. And I appreciate that they're not looking at us and speaking directly to us. Right, they're looking right at the moon. Mm-hmm. If you, like thousands of others, I'm wondering how many thousands of others, are wondering what fantastic threats Eclipso will unleash next, remember, the door is always open to chills and thrills in every issue of House of Secrets. Don't miss it! Don't miss it! All right, we'll be right back with the second story in this issue, Prince Ramon in the Seven Circles of Evil. (laughs) After this, House of Secrets presents World of the Weird. A legend persists concerning an Indian tribe living in Mexico in the middle part of the 18th century. Although surrounded by hostile tribes, and although the tribe was known to possess large stones of gold and silver which its members fashioned into intricate trinkets, the tribe was never attacked, and no attempt was ever made to loot it of its precious belongings. The reason for this was the belief held by almost all other tribes that this one was protected by a special god. The tribe made its home at the base of a large mesa, a table of rock that rose to a height of almost 500 feet with precipitous sides. The only means of reaching it was a natural stair of stone. It was up this stone staircase that the Indians climbed to store their valuables atop the 500-foot mesa. And it was up this stone staircase that a hostile Indian climbed one night, the first one ever to defy the wrath of the unknown god. The thieving Indian was sighted by a scout, reaching the top. But before he could give the alarm, a storm arose, reaching such violence that it tore away the stone steps, trapping the thief on the top. All attempts by the Indians after that to ascend the mesa failed, and even their kind-hearted attempts to send food up to the would-be thief were in vain. For all anyone knows, the treasure is still up there on that unknown mesa, and still guarded by some unknown god. One of the most widely spread superstitions in the whole world concerns Friday the 13th. This is commonly believed to be the day of misfortune, and the belief extends so far back in history that no one can now trace its origin. In ancient Scandinavian legends is found the story of twelve gods feasting together who were betrayed by a thirteenth, Loki, who murdered one of the twelve gods on the day of misfortune, Friday. Throughout history are countless cases of misfortune that befell helpless people on the dreaded day, and in modern times, this fear is held by more people than ever before. Psychologists have a name for this fear of thirteen. It is known as Triskaidekaphobia. To combat this superstition in modern times, a National Society of 13 Against Superstition, Prejudice, and Fear was founded in 1946. This group meets every Friday the 13th 
13th. A similar society meets in London, calling itself the 13 Club. And a lucky 13 Club, composed of Missouri's 13 presidential electors, made President Eisenhower an honorary president of the club, partly because his name, Ike Eisenhower, adds up to 13 letters. In American history, the superstition never made any headway. The history of the United States began with 13 colonies. The great seal of the USA has 13 stripes, 13 arrows, 13 clouds, 13 laurel leaves, 13 berries, and 13 feathers in each wing. The star-spangled banner was written on September 13, 1814. Construction of the White House began on Friday the 13th, and George Washington was made commander-in-chief on that date. Finally, our motto, E Pluribus Unum, contains 13 letters. This has been World of the Weird. Hey, Dr. Husband. Yes? Have you ever heard of the Volcanti? Do you mean the fat diaper demons? Uh-huh, yeah. No, I've not. Oh, then, like other mortals, you aren't aware of the terrible threats from the unknown that constantly menace this world. And after reading this spine chiller, you'll thank your lucky stars that we've got Prince Rawman, the Mind Master, fighting for us to prevent the awesome existence of the Seven Circles of Evil. So Prince these, Rawman. These creatures. Let's talk about Prince Rawman first. first. Um, I don't know if it's Rawman, Rayman. Let's call him Rawman. Rawman. Because uh, it would be Ra the Sun God, I would yes. think. Because he's mm-hmm. the, the, the Egyptian reference there. And he's a man. And he's a man. Prince Rawman uh, was not the originator of this series. Okay. We had a long-running series in House of Secrets about Mark Merlin, magician detective. Okay. College student Mark Merlin used to spend his vacations working for his uncle, the mighty Merlin, a great stage magician who was assisted on stage by a young woman named Elsa Magnusson. She must be Finnish or Swedish or something. Although Mark's uncle was not a disbeliever of true magic, he often exposed imposters who pretended to deal in real magic. Mm. The mighty Merlin died, but left a message that he was killed by supernatural causes. Investigating, Mark learned that his uncle was killed by the Council of Three for exposing fake magicians. The Magicians killed killed him? Yeah. The council were themselves mysteriously destroyed, and Elsa suggested they were killed by real supernatural beings. Mark was intrigued by that idea and decided to spend his life solving occult mysteries. Hmm. So it's kind of a Kolchak Night Stalker situation. Sounds great. He exposed both imposters, as his uncle did, and battled those who used actual occult means to do evil, and Elsa became his fiancée. Eventually, Mark Merlin was transported to the other dimensional world of Ra. Okay, here we go. Where Cranach, a scientist of ancient Egypt, and his daughter Rima lived as immortals. There, Merlin gained mind over matter powers that allowed him to return to Earth, but only in the body of another man. Oh, that explains why he's a two-timer. Yep, yep, yep. So he was reincarnated in his own time with the body and mind of Raman, a prince of ancient Egypt. Raman, Raman retained Merlin's mind over matter powers and memory, but was a different person because the true Mark Merlin was now dead. 
I see. Raman fought various mystical perils on Earth, but only recently did he reveal to Elsa what had happened to Mark Merlin. Prince Raman died heroically in the crisis on infinite Earths, blah, blah, blah. Oh. So my first exposure and only exposure up to this point of Prince Raman was a story published in the 1980s called Whatever Happened to Mark Merlin and Prince Raman. Okay. In which it was disclosed that, in fact, Mark Merlin was dead and Prince Raman retained his consciousness. But also there was something about Prince Raman had been trapped in the body of a cat for a while. Oh, dear. Yeah. Imagine and, being a brilliant magician mystery solver. Mm-hmm. And you wake up one morning and you're a cat. Well, and like pretty much your whole life is cleaning yourself. Right. Um, scratching around in your litter box mm-hmm. and, and eating cat food. Well, now that doesn't sound so bad. No. Because you didn't mention anything about work or cleaning house yeah, but or cats other are horrible assholes. things. Cats are dicks. That's a well-known scientific fact. Yes. That is scientific. That is a scientific fact. Uh-huh. Dogs are awesome. Mm-hmm. All cats are dicks. Yes. Um, back to Prince Raman. Okay. Um, we have a splash page of him fighting, as Dutch husband accurately described, pot-bellied, diaper-clad demons. <laughs> These are like demons with alcoholic bodies. Yes, like the they've got little booze legs and little stick skinny legs little stick legs. Yep. yep. And bat wings. Yeah. And beams of energy that they're firing out of their armpits or elbows. Or their claws or their... Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's... um. Anyway, the demon is the... exulting on the splash page here. Impudent fool! Feel the greatest power of the Volcanti! The power over time itself. <laughs> they have all these teeth. Yeah. You know, so I was thinking their voices were kind of like, Impulsful. Feel the greatest power of the volcano. Your power is stored of... I mean, there's lots of teeth getting in the way of being able to articulate what they need to do. It's like bat boy teeth. Yeah. And in fact, they are bats. Yeah. Um, Fat diapered demons. I'm not going to have much good to say about the artwork of this story. The art here is by Bernard Bailey, who was a well-respected Golden Age artist for such strips as The Spectre, mm-hmm. Our Man, mm. and Tex Thompson, also known as Mr. America. Mm. But um, I think he's left his best work behind him. Well, I didn't so much mind the artwork as I did the actual, some uh, certain elements of the story, mm-hmm. the telephone booth, the... You know, the, the creatures themselves, like, we'll get to that in just a moment, yeah. where they make their first appearance, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Okay. Yeah. Granted. Okay. Notice uh, on the first page, yeah. when where it's a dark and stormy night, and there's a mystery, uh, there's a mansion on a mystery hill, mm-hmm. um, in the next panel, he is staring out the yes. window. And there is the complete poems of Robert Frost <laughs> prominently displayed. Yeah. On the, I wonder on the if dresser. that was going to come back to some place of importance later in the story. And no, it doesn't. No. He's just reading the stories of Robert Frost. Um, this is the headquarters, previously had been the headquarters of Mark Merlin, the mansion on Mystery Hill. Uh, but of course, now Prince Rahman has taken over Mark Merlin's life. Mm-hmm. So he's living there apparently with uh, Elsa, living mm-hmm. in sin because they're not married. Nope. Um, Prince Rahman feels that evil is threatening. From everywhere. From everywhere. 
I should also mention that Prince Aramian is wearing uh, green slacks. A lime green top. A lime green pirate shirt top. An orange cloak. Um, he's got, as we mentioned before, black hair with a white streak and a goatee. Yeah. And uh, no pupils. He's in full battle gear. Is it really battle gear? Well, it I mean, it's like what a he wears. silk shirt. It's what he wears the, all, all the time. Right. You know, but that's... It, it's just, just doesn't offer much protection. Poor guy. He's really, really anxious. Well, yeah, but he's not on his own dimension. He, he apparently hears voices because his great ancestor, Imhotep, is calling him across the dimensional void to try to tell him something. Yeah. He can't understand what, it, what exactly what it is. He just knows there's a great source of evil coming. Right. As we see the panel where he's fainting and he says, evil must stop it. And she comes in. Ramen. She's, this girl's useless. She's no Mona. Is this Ilsa? Elsa. Elsa. Mm-hmm. Elsa, she basically just observes. Runs around and screams. Yeah. That's it. She just comments, observes, comments. I don't know how she doesn't get in the way. She's a reactor, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Not an actor like Mona. No, no, no. She is a reactor. I'll tell you something. I'm Mona's biggest fan now. Are that you really? knife trick? Yeah. That's very clever. I still wanted to know where she hid it. Well, <laughs> I have some ideas, but it's not, not polite to say on the air. <laughs> Imhotep was warning Prince Raman of something happening across the void of time. But he blacked out, so he doesn't know what's happening. We know he blacked out because he told he told us he blacked out. Plus, yep. there are some books that have been knocked aside on the floor. One of which is the complete poems of Robert Frost. Yeah. Um, we now flash to a deserted crossroads where there is a gnarled tree and a lamppost and, and a, a phone booth and a phone booth beside that. Apparently, a glass phone booth in the mi- <laughs> in the middle of a lawn. Yeah, because there's no the dirt road has no paving. There's no sidewalks. It's just a grass berm with a lamppost and a phone booth. Mm -hmm. And the phone booth... Nothing suspicious about that, folks. No, not a thing. The phone booth starts to glow and glimmer, and I guess it's a TARDIS or something? Because it turns into a dimensional portal. Yeah. Something like a pink pumpkin. It looks just like a pumpkin, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? Uh, We go through into another dimension where there are two... I'm just going to say these are vaguely oriental gentlemen. They're drawn with characteristics that would make one reference that, yes. Except for their blue skin. Yes. Um, In this other world, apparently they have gathered all evil into a machine in an attempt to keep evil out of their world. Right. These two two characters, Zorach um, and My Lord... Yes. They have. They've commented that they have a, a machine that. Um, let's see, all those, uh, my lord, all the evil in this world gathered from every one of our people and held within the machine's unrelenting grip in this secret place. Next panel. Yes, my genius has succeeded in creating what never existed before, a world whose beings are drained forever of all evil thoughts, ambitions, and impulses. That wouldn't be so bad, right? And then we get this thought bubble. Fool, the machine may keep evil out of your world, but it does not keep evil from entering another world where it takes the form of us, the three Volcanti. I now get it. 
Oh, you didn't get it before? I didn't understand that the machine served as a portal. I did, you know, like, I was thinking, I, I, I get it now. I, I, this is a machine. These two guys are commenting on the machine. It's keeping evil out. And then I thought, well, why are these Volcanti coming into our world? You know, right, it, right, right. Because, the, yes, the machine created the pumpkin portal at the phone booth. I get it. Oh, that's funny. And the, I, I didn't get that right. Well, there's a lot happening well, it, it didn't. Yeah, okay. So the machine created the pumpkin portal. The three right. Volcanti, which are the personifications of evil. Which Fat apparently, diaper demons. Are you going to put these diaper demons on your... Yes, uh, absolutely. Yes, just, they're not scary at all. Well, no, they're not. But apparently they have come to Earth before because there are sculptures of them in Souvenir museums sculptures, like when we used to go to the zoo and mm-hmm. get a wax sculpture of an elephant or oh, something. Do you remember? That was the best at King's yeah, Island. They or, used to have the little wax figures. Or they used to have Dis- the Disney wax figures that would float in the bathtub. Oh, I you didn't have no have idea those. what I'm talking about. Well, no, I went. No, we, we, my grandparents took me to the zoo in Miami, and mm-hmm. I do remember us getting the. You know, you put in a couple coins, and you get this awesome wax figure of a gorilla or or a lion or, or an elephant, and they smelled of wax, mm-hmm. and they and they were hollow inside. Yeah, and they were just the neatest things. Here you so, go, kids. Have some wax. Well, we didn't eat them or anything, you know. No, but, but you'd probably leave them in the back of the hot car in Miami. Well, that could happen. But this is so interesting. They go to they go to the souvenir shops or whatever, and they pick up these sculptures of themselves. Right. So it looks like they are in three different parts of the globe. It looks like South America somewhere, mm. the Middle East, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say London or Italy, somewhere in Western Europe. Mm. Um, they have statues of themselves with which they are stealing from museums. And Think then, Oscar statues. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's about that with, size. With, but fat booze-like but diapers. Fat booze-like wearing diapers. With bat wings. Yeah. Um, they rejoin back at the phone booth and put the statues together. And in a circle. In a circle, which creates a circle of evil energy around the statues which starts spreading out across the city and then we get a kind of a purge situation the global circle spreads around the city uh people start punching and killing each other commuters on the train shoppers shoppers start looting stores any evil you can think of well not any evil but punching and looting violence that's enough yes for prince raman to get involved Bottom panel. Hey, Rawman, where's the fire? Oh, shut up, Elsa. It's... He already passed out because of the evil. Put the pieces together. Rawman's heading out into his car now, also a convertible. He pretty boxy convertible. It looks kind of looks like a lunchbox with it wheels. Is, but look at the top of the next page. It's got like jet engines on the side of it. What? Look. Oh. Or are those headlights? What? Well, I can't tell from the panels whether they're intakes or... So, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I can't, yeah. Hmm. Um, we well, should be able to know that, but it's not drawn. It's uh, not drawn enough. very well. No. Um, Rawman has heard that the three statues of the Volcanti have been stolen. As he explains, once they're in the car, the Volcanti, long a legend in the occult, have really come to life to fulfill the ancient prophecy that evil will cover the world. Cover the world, but how? Look at the map. I've drawn a line through the places where this frenzy of evil has broken out. The line forms a circle. 
the first of the legendary seven circles of evil that eventually could cover the globe. The seven circles of evil could cover the globe. Right? That was good. Well, thank you. We'll just add it to our song catalog. Yes, well, maybe we should contact ASCAP. <laughs> copyright all the songs we've been writing lately. These short ditties? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we Style should... dandies, Bob. Style dandies. <laughs> maybe we should finish one before we get in contact with Perhaps ASCAP. we should put more thought into it than just an improvisatory. Process. You know, pretty much this is, this is basically one long improvisatory exercise, what we're doing here. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so they find the stone circle where the statues are gathered together two of them are beveling the statues two of them the statues the ones in the end they're beveling are they beveling or is it just that their legs are too weak to support their giant fat pot bellies (laughs) (laughs) but do you think that these demons ever take time to eat I mean, they wear diapers, so they must be concerned about their appearance. I don't know. I think they've done a lot of drinking, though. That's an alcoholic body, if I ever saw one. The demons appear by the bedeviled behemoth of Balaba. (laughs) Is what Prince Raman, the mind master, says. That was a lot lot for him to say. I I remember when I read that, it's like, why why didn't you say, whoa! I'm certain that Prince Rahman is some kind of reaction against Doctor Strange over in Marvel Comics, because Doctor Strange is always saying by the Vishanti Visigoth of Volvas. <laughs> I think you like did not just say that. <laughs> the Mind Master's mental beam creates a pulverizing missile out of a nearby boulder. So, you weren't here last week, Dutch Husband. No, but I listened to When we looked at uh, Superboy comics. Yes. Superboy or the Teen Titans where we had rock missiles, rock spears. Which were just, someone had taken a stalagmite and tossed it. And the character who was on the receiving end couldn't come up with the word stalagmite. So he said, rock spears. I think it was stalactites. Whatever. God. (laughs) Who are you, work friend Chuck Jr.? (laughs) So... Raw Man is creating rock missiles which are disintegrated by the demons because this first demon has the power of sound. So he's shooting sound beams out of his yeah. elbow. That was great, too. Thank you. Prince Raw Man, look at what he's saying. Aye. Aye. My ears. My, spall, my skull is like a great bell. That doesn't make any kind of sense. Well, I don't know. So I'm interested in why the demons have... This power is coming out of their elbow pits. Is that what you call the in your inside elbow? Well, let's see. I guess like if you bend your if you bend your arm and you, uh, toward you, and there's a little pit there. Um, yeah, elbow pits. I mean, I can see if the power is coming out of their hands or even out of their armpits, but their elbow pit seems an odd location for the power to come from. Don't you think so? I would think it would come from their especially eyes or their because, mouths. Yeah, but they're, especially because their arms, like their legs, are just little puny stick things yeah <sighs> and have you noticed that they shoot rainbows well that's the second one so the first one has the power of sound the second one has the power of light and so rainbows shoot out of its elbow but pits. these aren't rainbows used for good these are rainbows used for evil well this is before we claimed the rainbow for yeah. our good purposes right. this is when rainbows represented the destruction of the earth okay as sent by Yahweh in the Old Testament yeah. <laughs> Well, I think in this case, because he manipulates light, he's trying to show the full spectrum of light. Right, right, right. I yeah. mean, I got that. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Um, 
And apparently this rainbow is furry and has claws also. Yeah, furry. Interesting. What's up with that? Well, maybe it's like a rainbow cat paw or something. (laughs) He's going to bat him around like a toy. Bam, bam, bam. And then we have Elsa running away. Uh huh. <laughs> Wait, are you on the same page I am right now? Yes. Because I love this. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I love that so much. I'm like, I'm looking at. So let's first let's Which talk about part? Elsa running away. Yeah. So Elsa is just standing there, helpless. Ah! She running. goes. Oh no! Robin's being tossed to his death. She's literally biting her finger. Robin is flying through the air, legs akimbo. <laughs> Like a helpless puppet, it says. Now, he does have a unique power in which he can bring inanimate objects to life. That's useful. Much like Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, so he is flying towards the phone booth and the lamppost. Oh, man, has no relation to Doctor Strange whatsoever. That's a um, disclaimer. The lamppost turns into giant hands. And catches and him. catches him. But, but then it breaks under his tremendous weight. <laughs> Well, it doesn't say tremendous weight. It's just the normal weight of a man, which apparently a lamppost can't handle. Elsa sees her chance to help. (laughs) This is occurrence in the comic number two that made me just go, what the hell? I mean, honestly, no, good for her. She's thinking on her feet. She picks up the phone. I'm I'm helpless because I'm a woman and I have no power or agency Quickly, over my own actions. Elsa but I can make dashes a phone into call. the phone booth. She picks up the phone. Hello? Hello? It's <laughs> not working. Just weird sounds coming from it. Really? It's not working? Because demons just came out of it? It never occurred to you that it might not work? Well, she didn't see the demons come out, but... but no. Well, but who is she going to call? <laughs> who is she going to call? The like, police, the police? Help, 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 police. There are three giant diaper-clad booze-like oh. demons attacking my boyfriend. <laughs> who would you call? Well, I'd call the squad. Because if he's injured. I don't know. That's what we did back in But what if he had landed on the ground in that position that he's flying through the air? He would have broken his tailbone. He would have... That would have hurt. Mm -hmm. He would have ripped some muscles. Um, But Elsa has not reckoned on the recuperative powers of the Mind Master, who with a mighty effort of will, stands up. Good for you. (laughs) Yeah. Um... He's able to recover. My aches. Can he probably wait, rolled. Elsa. He pro- that was probably a double-sided roll, and he, and he and he got lots of points on recovery. Quick. quick well, recovery. he was caught by the lamppost, but then fell what six feet onto a grassy surface. Well, he had been battling with the demons before right, that. Right, right, right. But he's a mind master. He's amazing. My aches can wait, Elsa. The world's in danger. Um. Now. But if you'll excuse me, I have to go and get some help from Raw. <laughs> right, I have to go to another dimension. Be right back. <laughs> Bye. Um, so he goes to the city museum. To the museum. Now, I'm guessing if I were reading this and I was eight years old, I would say, oh, this must be something that he does every issue. Because it seems so commonplace that he's going to the city museum. Holding, holding up a, a lamp, magic lamp. Holding a lamp up to an Egyptian pillar obelisk. And walking inside the obelisk and coming out the other side into another dimension. This doesn't happen frequently? I don't know. This is the first time I've seen it. I'm just assuming that it does because it's like, oh, hey. He's back. They're on the other side in the Egyptian dimension. 
after an incredible journey through the plain and voids of time and space, which consumes only an instant, uh, Ramian is back in this other dimension where Cranach, the scientist of ancient Egypt, and Rima, his beloved, await. Rima's a busty gal, isn't she? I'll say. She's got a bullet bra on. Um, this is very evocative of Adam Strange, who was an Earthman who was transported to the planet Ran, mm-hmm. but only for temporary periods of time. So he would periodically be transported back to Earth and have to wait until the next Zeta Beam to transport him back to Ran, where his girlfriend and her scientist father lived. Oh. So it's essentially exactly the same story. Except that Raman has a little more agency over when and how he is transported. Mm-hmm. So he's back in the Egyptian dimension. He tells them what's going on. He tells them that his great ancestor, Imhotep, has been contacting him. And apparently they've been con- uh, contacted by Imhotep as well, here in this other dimension. Because they're prepared to give him other powers. Yes. Now this world has a six-sided green sun... Shining in the sky, mm. which is the same shape that Raman has on his belt buckle. I forgot to mention earlier. Oh, I didn't notice that. So maybe that's why he's wearing green because of the green sun. Sun, yeah. They expose him to the sun to give him the potent powers of Tashtut. Yes. Yes. Who Tashtut is a cat. With uh, a bird beak, maybe some sort of goddish demigod, god yeah, sort of I don't thing. Know. You know, light comes into the eye socket gem of Tashtut, and the throne upon which he's sitting, and it is trans beamed into his body. Fantastic! I feel new spheres of mastery opening up like windows into long locked mysteries. And he's just re-energized. Right. Good for him. Yeah. Um, you know what's really good for that? What? A nap. So he's transported back to the museum. Where I must say something. Yes. On the the panel with the the guard. Okay. In the twinkling... uh, In a twinkling, the reincarnation of a long dead Egyptian nobleman hurtles across the illimitable barriers between the worlds and the guard now is stretching... Ho-hum, another quiet day, nothing ever happens around this place. But he's he's drawn with his arms up in the air, stretching, and he's got exclamation points. So in my mind, I'm thinking he's alone in the museum and he's going, Ho-hum, another quiet day, another quiet day, nothing ever happens around this place! As he's stretching. Okay. Kind of like the Metalman, which I can't wait to get back to, where they all they do is scream at each other. Right. Um, I got just the, you know, the idea that he was just, uh, um, uh, you know, when you're stretching, you make those noises, those animal noises. Uh-huh. <sighs> in no time, Raman and Elsa are racing out of the city toward the hillside. Back in their Racing so car. quickly, his car is off the ground. Off the ground and almost bent in half long ways. That's just a bad drawing. Yeah. Um, they, I can now see why you don't like this drawing. The artwork. Well, you're not crazy about it. So they go back to where the statues are. The ring of evil is returning now. Mm -hmm. uh, Contracting back in upon itself. And suddenly the Volcanti appear right on schedule. Because the power that he has received from Tashtuk. Is that it? Tashtuk? Tashtuk. 
yep. das tut, ist, um, go back to your dimension, take these statues of the diaper demons and change their position from being in a semicircle to a straight line. That's gift number one. Uh-huh. Wow, that's brilliant. Well, I mean, he, I wouldn't have thought of that, would you? No, I would have. My first thing would have been to destroy the, the, the statues. Okay, okay. Well, then the story would be over, and you wouldn't have twelve pages. All right. Well, Eclipso. <laughs> yes, and, yes. Yeah. I see where you're going with that. <laughs> Never mind. Um, the third demon now shows his fantastic elbow pit power over time. He's going to send Prince Raman a thousand years into the past. Okay. What? Clearly, we all understand that that is Prince Rawman. Uh huh. Right. Right. He's and and Blue Diaper Demon is subjecting him to the power that he has to send him back a thousand. Rawman is disappearing. Right. Right. Rawman, he's fading away. The Volcanti, it sent him back in time. Oh no! Right. And then right. the next panel, he just reappears in a different location. Right. Because because of the power of invisibility. Right. So, so he the cre- so diaper to... demons mm-hmm. diaper demons power wasn't having an effect on him and therefore right. he made himself invisible to trick them into thinking that he was going back into time. Yeah. Because if you turn the page now, you see that they are all three attacking him mm-hmm. and he is able to repel their powers. So he clearly had the power to repel the time demons time balls. Okay, so we could have cut out like four or five panels, and the moment that diaper demon attacked him, he could have just gone like, boom, with his hands. Yeah. And done all that. Which he does now on the next page. Right. He's um, using his, the full powers of Tashtut to force the demons back into the the, orange, the, 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 the pink pumpkin. Pink, pink pumpkin time phone portal. booth time yeah. portal thing. <sighs> Mona... No, this isn't Mona. This is Elsa. And the diaper demons don't appear to have noses. No, they just have big giant mouths and, again, alcoholic eyeballs. Yeah. And shoulder hair. Yeah. They're pretty unhappy. Right. They're not. I mean... They, they probably don't get up on a Saturday morning and read the newspaper and have coffee and talk, do they? And do a podcast. No. No. What would that be like, a demon podcast with those teeth? Raman is getting weaker and weaker and weaker. The powers of Tashtut are draining his strength. He was warned. Cranach warned him. But he must not collapse until the last Volkanti is driven from this dimension, which happens, and it turns back into a phone booth. Which then, he uses, Rawman makes a call. He makes a phone call. Yeah. To whom is he speaking? Uh, the, uh, just the operator. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure the phone worked. <laughs> <laughs> In case there's some more trouble and Elsa needs to call the squad. Yeah. Now this last panel. It made me roll my eyes so much that I actually hurt. Prince Rahman looks directly at the reader. At you and me. For the first time now he has pupils. Which he's not had up to this point. Yeah. It's so that we know, hey, yeah. I'm talking to you. Hey, reader. I'll be back again in the next issue of House of Secrets. 
And by the six-sided sun, I promise you an adventure so weird that you'll be calling on me, Prince Raman, for help. Will we be using that? And now the phone works, so you can call me directly. (laughs) At at Westinghouse 9, (laughs) 8310. I was just trying to think of some sort of street name when you did that. (laughs) Well, Uh, what do you think of Prince Raman? You know, I, I... I don't, think I don't think much of it. I enjoyed the Eclipso comic. Yeah, Eclipso was great. I, I liked it. I, I was I was a little disappointed by the diaper demons. You know, they didn't look very scary right. at all. I didn't understand. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I imagine if you go to the two three different corners of the earth and you gather your your wax statues and throw them on, on you know on a rock mm-hmm. and then it sends out. You know, circles of hate and evil. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. We don't want you know worldwide mayhem. There was another a story around this time, a Justice League story, where they fought three demons who had magic talismans mm-hmm. around the world, which they collected and used for evil. Mm-hmm. But those demons didn't look. I guess they did wear diapers too. I'll have to do my research. Or work friend Chuck will tell me if I'm on the right track. I was thinking about something that I'd not thought about before when I yep. was reading this. I yep. was thinking, it must be, what it must it be like to be a, a, a professional comic book artist and mm-hmm. writer? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you spend a lot of time, like, does your personal library have a lot of references to ancient myths so that you can have inspiration for, for n- sort of new uh, new stories and, and, and new characters? And then I thought, Back in the '60s, when they were doing this, like, what did they do with their time? Did they? Because it was, we certainly didn't have all the electronic distractions that we have now. No, you know, I mean, what what, what do they think of these things? This is a lot of work to come yeah, up with these sure these guys in the story. Uh, well, I, you know, they only had three channels and no cable. Did they have remote controls in the '60s? Yes, because we had one in the '70s, but it was connected by cord oh, to television. Because yeah. oh. that takes time to walk across the room and change your channel. Yeah, yeah. That's what we were for as kids. Mm-hmm. It was our job to stand and change the channel. Right. Yeah. Um, of course, I never had a remote control when I was growing up. Did you? I always had a color television, but it was always in, I remember it being in a, in a some sort of a case of some sort of, they, they were decorative back then. They weren't mm-hmm. just like they are right now, which is just basically a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and it was significantly smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did have a, a, a channel changer and uh, you know remote control and when you would click it it would make a sound it would go ka-ching, 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 and, and the actual dial would turn when we when we did that so yes we did have a remote control okay yeah well good for you hey you can follow us on social media at gogocheckpod you can rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your iPod downloads from we got a new listener this week we did mm-hmm. okay thanks for sharing <laughs> And uh, thanks for listening. Yes, and you can contact us if you have any ideas, like people who are contacting us about our um, song compositions. And now that I know that, I'll make sure to have an, an extra espresso next thank the next, you. Uh, recording of this. Yeah. And uh, that's all we have for this week. Anything it's been a else? pleasure. No, it's been great. I, this has been fun to, to, to go through these, and I'm looking forward to the next ones. As always. And I'm glad to be back. It's good to have you back. Thanks. Okay, that's all for now. Go, go, check, pod. Rate and review. Bye. Bye. Bye.